The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Empty backfield. They set it up for it. It's intercepted. One-handed pickoff. Jack Jones will walk it in for a touchdown and a Raider record. The most points ever scored by a Raider team comes on a one-handed pick six. Jack Jones picks the screen and walks into history. Wow. The guy wearing the number that Randy Moss used to wear for the Raiders for a couple of years makes a better catch than Randy Moss ever did in his time with then the Oakland Raiders. It's a Friday edition of PFT Live here on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports NFL and podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Peter King, Mike Florio. And Peter, before we start, I had a moment of panic when I came up to my studio because you and I both have a habit of cutting it pretty close to the wire. We've never been late, but we have a habit of cutting it very close. So as I approach my studio area, I hear coming through the little box under the table here your voice, and you're talking, and then I see in the monitor you're on camera, and I looked at my phone, and it said 658, and I thought that, Apple had betrayed me in some way, and it was actually after 7 o'clock, and I had missed the start of the show, and you were you were taking it forward because the show must go on. But as it turns out, you were taping something. But I, I, had, I was feeling a little drowsy, but the drowsiness was gone through that moment of panic that it really wasn't 6.58. It was actually 7.02 or later than that. Well, Mike, I, I dream, really, of your panic. Because you know, <laughs> you very well know, that the only reason I'm on this show one day a week is that if I were on this show every day a week, fans would be howling for me to host and for you to be only the part-time host or whatever you call me. And so I, I long for the day when it is 7.02 and I do it. And all of a sudden, somebody says, hey, 
let's have Lou Gehrig do the show from now on. And why don't you send Wally Pip back to his Vikings-induced slumber? So anyway, That's good. Uh, you know, we shall see and we shall dream. <laughs> well, we shall talk football over the course of the next two hours. By the way, by the way, <laughs> this is an indication of how the whole Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip thing has faded into history. Wally Pip's name came up in kind of jest over the weekend. We were doing some tapings during and after halftime of the Sunday night game. And we were joking about how well Jake Browning did. And Jason Garrett made the offhand <laughs> comment that Joe Burrow could be Wally Pip. And Devin McCourty had no idea who Jason Garrett was talking about. <laughs> so there's a, there's, a new, there's a new universe of, of humans who have no idea how that all worked. So uh, anyway, hopefully some of you know who Wally Pip was and, uh, and how he fits into the broader sports lore. Okay, so uh, speaking of sports lore, I can't imagine there's ever been a time in the history of the National Football League where a team was shut out one week and set a scoring record the next, except like back in the early years of football when 10 points would have been a team scoring record and they were getting shut out all the time because they didn't quite know how to move the ball. And I guarantee you there's no way it happened five days apart where on a Sunday a team was shut out and on a Thursday they set their single-game scoring record. But that is what the Las Vegas Raiders have done. Antonio Pierce has gone from being, oh, there's no way he'll be back next year, to after last night, maybe Antonio Pierce will be back next year, Peter. I don't know. But what an outburst. What a stunner for the Raiders to just absolutely wallop the Los Angeles Chargers. The thing I think would be most worrisome and look, I don't think anybody believes that Brandon Staley can survive uh, with the Chargers. But the thing that would be most worrisome is some of the uncontested touchdowns that were scored in this game. Mike, some of these touchdowns looked like they were played in the Pro Bowl. And, you know, you have to ask yourself this question. You know, seriously. You have to ask yourself, okay, um... How much effort were the 53 or the 45 Chargers giving out in this game last night? And, you know, both things like from chasing uh, guys scoring defensive touchdowns to the ridiculous Jack Jones, you know, pick six and and all that. And and look, you could feel it that Kirk Herbstreet, you know, doing this game and Al Michaels we're just on the vo- on the verge of saying the 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 Los Angeles Chargers absolutely unequivocally are mailing it in because that's what it looked like last night and i thought it was really kind of a, a good for the raiders but i thought it was a totally shameful display by the Los Angeles Chargers uh, beyond shameful and it's not just look you don't turn the ball over on purpose. They fumbled five times, lost four, and Easton Stick got intercepted, intercepted that one time. Um, but, I mean, everyone in that franchise for the night was indictable. And it just, it really left a bad taste to me about sort of the readiness of the Chargers in this game. 
The Raiders had eight different players score touchdowns. That's the first time it's happened since the 1950 Rams, who might have been in Cleveland at the time, for all I know. Nine touchdowns total by the Raiders. Six in the first half. It was 42-0 at the half. Almost the highest scoring, or at least most lopsided game through the first half ever. I think there was a 45-0 game. Patriots-Titans back in 07 or thereabouts. So this was just a laugher from the get-go. And, you know, Peter, Chris and I were talking about this yesterday as it related to, to Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was questionable to play with a quad injury. He's got no financial security beyond this year. Why would you play from a business standpoint? Why would you risk further injury when the team has given you no assurances and if the team doesn't want you, you're going to be a free agent? Why do you want to be injured when you're into free agency? And I think some of that mindset creeps into the various players out there who understand it's a lost season. Both sides, lost season. We're playing out the string. The last thing we need is to have an injury that we're dealing with in the offseason that may affect either our free agency or whether or not our team's going to keep us, et cetera, et cetera. And that mindset is out there for multiple teams that we know as a practical matter are done. Even though they're not mathematically done, they're done. And that's what's impressed me about the games we saw on Monday night. The Giants aren't going to make the playoffs. Now, I guess they hold out a very thin sliver of hope that they will. But come on. They still went out and played hard and beat a team that was in the thick of the playoff chase. The Titans, they're not going to make the playoffs. They went out and played hard, toe-to-toe, with the Miami Dolphins and ultimately beat them. And last night with two five and eight teams, the winner maybe somehow run the table nine and eight tiebreakers, whatever, maybe, maybe, who knows? And the Raiders played like a team that that is holding on to that maybe, or even if they're not, even if they know they aren't going to make it, they still went out and played for themselves, for each other, for their team, for their colors, for their coach, for whatever. And the Chargers, and I was texting with someone last night about this because the knee-jerk reaction is the players quit on their coach. The person I was texting with said, no, they quit on each other. They take on the personality of their coach. But when it comes to moments like that, you either are committed to laying it on the line for the guy next to you or you're not. And last night, it just felt like most of the Chargers players weren't committed to playing for each other or for themselves when it comes down to just basic pride. This is a rivalry. This is a historic rivalry. This is the holy roller rivalry for crying out loud. And I still think it's on the coach to push the right buttons to get them into that mindset where this isn't about just playing out the string. There are bigger issues here. This is a rivalry. This is a big deal. They don't like us. We don't like them. The coach failed to get them in the right mindset, but at the end of the day, they owe it to themselves to be in the right mindset to go out there and compete. And it just felt obvious one team cared and one team didn't. You know, I found myself when I was watching the game, watching some of the Chargers on defense particularly, um, and I thought Eric Kendricks played hard. Uh, I thought Khalil Mack played hard. I'm sure there are others who played hard. But, Mike, as I said at the top, this really reminded me in many ways of Pro Bowl effort. Uh, When in the Pro Bowl, you have a bunch of guys out there jogging. Um, And the reason why I think this this is bad 
for the Chargers future, okay, is that they have a lot of young defensive players on that team. I still kind of consider Derwin James young, Asante Samuel. They got a bunch of young, good players on that defense. So now they have seen their defense when a bunch of guys barely bother to show up. So what sort of impact does that have on them? Does it say does it say to them, see what we can get away with? I'm just playing now not to get hurt. You know, and that's what it felt like watching the game. Now maybe it wasn't, but <clears throat> you know what I noticed too, Mike, when you you know, when you look at that game, I don't view that the Raiders offense, when you score sixty three points, you usually think, Oh my god, offensive explosion. They only gained 378 yards last night. I mean, this was not a game where the offense marched up and down the field for four quarters. They didn't. And and it was and and that just tells me with so many short fields and and things like that 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 it just bothers me overall the effort that we saw and the impact it could have on the future. I mean, so let's fast forward a month. It's December 15th. On January 15th, assume I assume that the Chargers are going to be either in the coaching search or formulating the names. It's going to take a little bit longer as we've seen, you know, for coaching searches to happen. But my question basically is this. Will the coach who ends up taking this job be able to affect the mental mindset of this team, knowing that there's a bunch of guys, veteran players, you know, who have big contracts or or who have had big contracts. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. And will he be able, will that new coach be able to affect this team? And will he be able to take advantage of the prime years of, uh, you know, of Justin Herbert. And who knows what will happen now to uh, to the coaching staff, you know, to the people on that coaching staff. What will happen to Kellen Moore? You know, and will, uh, will there be a fourth different offensive coordinator for, uh, for, for Herbert in his very short NFL career? I mean... Here's a guy who came into the league in 2020. Next year's 2024. How about having four offensive coordinators in five seasons? I mean, at some point, the people who run this franchise have got to say, look, you know, we are in the process of ruining a guy's career. This guy who's our franchise quarterback, who everybody agrees, he's the next Fouts. So what what exactly are we doing? What exactly are we doing here? It is so incumbent on the Los Angeles Chargers to get this right. And I don't care if they go out and hire Bill Belichick. I don't care if they go out and hire Ben Johnson. I, I Whoever it is, whoever it is, the next hire of this team has simply got to get the offense right with Justin Herbert. They owe it to the long-term best interests of this franchise. And that's why I think Kellen Moore won't be there as offensive coordinator next year. This is a hard reset where the next coach is an offensive mastermind. 
who will be joined at the hip to Justin Herbert for the balance of his career, ideally, if the next coach works out. You don't want a defensive coach with an offensive coordinator, and if it works, then the offensive coordinator gets a job somewhere as a head coach, and your next offensive coordinator maybe is like Ken Dorsey was to Brian Dabo. You don't want that. You want your coach to be the one who is constantly in the ear of Justin Herbert, who grows and develops with Herbert like a Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota would do. But, Peter, last night's game throws a different dynamic into all this. And I've been calling all year the Chargers the best dysfunctional team in the NFL. Because of all the dysfunctional teams, there's one that has to be better than the others, and the Chargers are. But they're still dysfunctional. And I don't know the quality of the decision that Dean Spanos and the rest of the brain trust that runs that team is going to make because what they are now is a product of the decisions they made in the past. Hey, they got lucky with yeah. Herbert, and they've developed Herbert into something. But there are real questions about Herbert. I, I posed to Chris the other day, is it fair to at least have the conversation that maybe this guy isn't as good as we thought? Like, why hasn't he gotten to where we think he was going? What's to blame for that? They've already paid him. He's up at the top just behind Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes as the highest paid quarterbacks in football. So they've made the commitment to him. Now they have to make the commitment to everything around him. And the best part about last night is he's got no fingerprints on what happened last night because literally yeah. his finger yeah. is broken. So he's not part of that. Yeah. But think about the other issue. And you kind of touched on this going forward. When you have guys in the locker room who will reconvene next year under a new head coach and you have a cluster of guys who busted their ass on Thursday night and you got the guys who didn't, does that linger? Does that wash away? Does a new coach get them to forget about that? If Bill Belichick was the new coach, can you imagine what that first team meeting would be like when he puts up the film from last night's game and tears anyone who was loafing a new one? So there's an He'll issue do that. now that needs Mike, to be Mike, I'm telling fixed. you, and I'm he, telling you, he will yeah. do that. He would do that. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take, see, for all the stuff the Chargers were facing before last night, now you've got another issue to throw on top of it. You've got a game where a certain percentage of your guys mailed it in and didn't want to be there. There was a point late in the second quarter where they were doing shots on the sideline of the Chargers players. And to a man, the look on their face was, get me the hell out of here and let me go home. So I, that now, on top of everything else the Chargers have to deal with, they have that to contend with too. Something that either created in one fell swoop a very bad culture or, Peter, more problematically, something that revealed that there's been a bad culture, and last night's game was the opportunity that it came out for all of us to see. I don't think the mindsets that were on display last night just came out of nowhere. It's possibly been there at practice from time to time. Maybe if you look at some other games, there are instances of it. But at the end of the day, Brandon Staley is ultimately responsible for it. And there was already kind of a sense he's going to pay for it with his job. After last night, and I don't care how dysfunctional an ownership group is i don't know how you can bring him back next year how can you sell him to your fans how can you sell him to anyone after last night the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I mean, look, I have high regard for Brandon Staley uh, going back to uh, when he coached lineback- outside linebackers at the Broncos under Vic Fangio. He goes to the Rams. Rams love him. Justin, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jalen Ramsey loves him. Uh, you know, he got a lot out of that uh, off uh, out of that defense. And, you know, in the one year he was there in 2020 when they had the top-rated defense in football. But, you know, enough is enough. There's not much you can do right now. You know, clearly this team needs a new direction. They need a new coach. So at the end of the season, I'm sure they'll do it. One of the biggest problems, I think, with the Chargers right now is that Dean Spanos has to be concerned probably as much as any owner in football with his fan base because you see what happens at a lot of charger games, if not the vast majority of them in that, you know, the, the, the visiting team just has a huge presence in the stadium and this is not going to help it. And there, that's one of the reasons why there's no way that Dean Spanos, uh, in my opinion right now, I don't think there's any way he can bring back Brandon Staley for the very simple reason that you talk about if you you talk about a defection of your fans, can you imagine if they announced, "Hey, it was just we're going to give uh, Coach Staley a mulligan. We're bringing him back." I mean, you want to have ninety percent visiting fans in your stadium next year and never sell out? Well, make that decision. So his his hand has been forced. Even if, and I can tell you, I rode in a golf cart with uh, Dean Spanos at training camp this year. And I can tell you, absolutely, he was rock-solid supportive of Brandon Staley. But whether he likes Brandon Staley as a person and appreciates his work ethic, all that other stuff, results are results. And in the NFL, it doesn't matter how much you like someone or how much you might believe in them. After an event like last night, you know, you simply have to make that hard decision. I, I don't really think it's that difficult right now. Well, and Peter, lurking over all of this are the business considerations that they never talk about because they don't want the fans to realize that 
some owners are motivated by the bottom line. And Dean Spanos, is he going to pay the money it would take to get an A-list coach? Does he really care if his stadium, the stadium where he's a tenant to Stan Kroenke, is full of fans other than Chargers fans? As long as it's full on game day, as long as, as, long as all the tickets are sold and used and people are paying for the overpriced hot dogs and popcorn and beer and adding to your overall margin, money's money. Money, money has no team loyalty. Our, our mutual friend Chris Russo and I were talking about this yesterday because his point is it's horrible for the league that Chargers games are so populated with visiting teams, fans, Raiders games. The, the Vikings fans took over last week. Hey, the money's still the same. And I feel like for some of these owners, it's a win if you end up making maximum profit. And so how much are you willing to spend? How much are you willing to dip into your profit margin to try to make it right from a football standpoint. But you're right. They're at a point where they have to do it. There's a point where it becomes embarrassing to the organization and ultimately embarrassing to the owner to not care about it. So with all that said, Brandon Staley, who could be fired as soon as today, could be. They're three hours behind us in L.A. We may find out before too long this morning that Brandon Staley's out. Here he is after the game, peppered with questions about his job status following that embarrassment against the Raiders. Do you personally feel there's a disconnect between yourself and the locker room, the players? I don't. Do you, do you expect to be the coach here tomorrow? I don't know that. Do you, do you think you should be? Yes. Why? I know that what I've done here for three years, and I know what I put into this, and um, you know, I know that we're capable of going. Uh, I know the type of coach that I am. I believe in myself. Um, but again, this isn't about me. This is about a, a group that's hurting in there. We got to get some rest, and we got to get ready for Buffalo. What, what could you have done differently in, in preparation to get these guys better prepared to play tonight? It, everything. I didn't do anything well enough to get us ready to play tonight. And so, if that's the case, then why why should you be the coach if, if that if that games true? games like this games like this happen in the NFL to every coach that's ever coached in this league. You can look at any great coach that's ever coached in the league. Sometimes games like this happen. And I don't need to retrace history, but it's just it's part of sports. Sometimes there are games where it doesn't go right. None of it. And you got to put it behind you and you got to move on to the next thing. Look, I don't expect him to say, no, I shouldn't be the coach anymore. Why don't I just go ahead and resign right now? He said what he had to say. And I don't know that there are many historical examples of what we saw last night where it's clear that one team that, as a practical matter, isn't in the playoff chase in a late-season game against another team that, as a practical matter, isn't in the playoff chase had such a disparity of effort and drive and want to. And it all does trace back to the coach. So, look, the demeanor, the way he delivered it, I feel like he's just checking boxes and saying what he has to say, Peter. I think he knows where this is going. And – He's not going to just walk away. He's going to finish the job and let the chips fall where they may. But barring some sort of dramatic turnaround, unless he finds a way to to do to the Bills what the Raiders did to the Chargers when the two teams meet eight days from now in an exclusive Saturday night game on Peacock, unless something like that happens, there's no going back. Now, if he even gets the opportunity to coach that game, Yeah, I mean, I understand 
what Brandon Staley says that, hey, every team, every good coach has games like this. You know, uh, the the coach of the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton, who has done a great job with his team, gave up a 70-burger, what, in week three of this season to Miami, and now they're back. But I don't remember other than that. I mean... Has Bill Belichick been beaten 900 to nothing? Now, Bill Belichick got beat badly in the wild card game at Buffalo. It just didn't feel like this game that was 63 to 7. 63 to 7 after 46 minutes. I mean, that is a different story than getting drummed in a wild card game by one of the best offenses that there's been in a long time in the NFL. And I would just say say one other thing. The offense that they played last night is not one of the best offenses in the NFL. As you referred to early in the show, Mike, this offense gave up, or this offense basically scored zero points on Sunday, was not a fanta- fantastic you know, clicking on all cylinders offense in this game. And this goes to effort by the defense and by the other team. And that is the question that really has to be answered in, you know, by this coaching staff, by this team, and ultimately by Dean Spanos. Yeah, and I can't imagine a set of facts that, results in Brandon Staley sticking around. I think the real question is whether he's out today. And if he's out today and Kellen Moore would become the interim head coach, you get three games for him to maybe show that he could be the guy. I don't know that 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 that's an attractive option to make him the head coach. He's too close to this disaster, this fiasco that we saw last night. I really do think they need to do a hard reset. And I'm going to throw a dart here. Way too premature. But if somebody told me, you have to give me the name right now of the person you think will be the coach of the L.A. Chargers next year. I would say Jim Harbaugh. Because last year he was interested. Last year, that was a viable job. And why wouldn't it be a viable job this year? Because Justin Herbert is still there. But if I had to pick the name that would take over. Now, here's the question. It's not going to be cheap to get Jim Harbaugh. Is Dean Spanos going to pay Jim Harbaugh? But that's the kind of guy that could turn this around. That's the kind of guy that could hit the reset button and win right away. The team that he took over in San Francisco in 2011 was not good the year before. He took him to the brink of the Super Bowl his first year, took him to the Super Bowl and the brink of a championship the next year, and then back to the brink of the Super Bowl the third year. And his quarterback wasn't Justin Herbert. It was Alex Smith, another guy that had gone through this constant wash cycle of another offensive coordinator, another offensive coordinator, finally gets Jim Harbaugh there, and it settles down. And Alex Smith, hey, he's pretty damn good. So Herbert's already starting at the elite level when you inject the Jim Harbaugh. But, but again, that, that would just be my guess or maybe my preference if I was the one making the decision. But he could be a guy that could maybe turn this around quickly. We've seen him do it before. Okay, Mike, let's, let's talk about this. And, and I'm going to ask you some questions about this because I want to hear your thought about this. Uh, I don't think that's a bad call, although I would not hire Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I, I, just, I just am not a huge Harbaugh fan, even though the results 
uh, obviously are good. You know, he left a trail in his wake in San Francisco that at the end they couldn't wait for him to leave. But but let's just let's just talk for a second. Let's talk about two people, Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. And I want to start by asking this question. If they're both on the market, and if, for instance, for instance, that you are going to be able to offset some of Bill Belichick's contract, whatever you sign him for, and I'm going to use $20 million as the, for instance, and everybody will say, oh, my God, $20 million. Well, You know, that's about what Sean Payton got in Denver, 18, 19, 20 million so, per year. So let's say that you sign Bill Belichick three years, 60 million. Here's my question to you. I'm assuming that his contract in New England contains an offset clause so that if he's making, pick a number, 20 million in New England, that that has to be used to offset whatever he's going to make with the Chargers. Now, I don't know that there's an offset clause. Belichick is notoriously private with everything about his contract. But in, in, your, in your mind, should that have anything to do with what Dean Spanos does? There's a hell of an assumption baked into that that you have given me actually an idea on. And I'm going to make a hard right turn here. Because I've been thinking a lot about how Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft divorce. I have said this and I wrote this yesterday because Kraft seems to be determined to have a cake and eat it solution where he moves on from Belichick and trades the balance of Belichick's contract to someone else. If that would happen, there'd be no offset obligation. Another team acquires the right to employ Bill Belichick. Now, my response to that, if I'm Bill Belichick, is I'm not playing that game. You either pay me to coach your team, and I'll gladly come back for one more year and keep doing what I've been doing since the year 2000, or you fire me, and you've got the obligation to pay me next year if I choose not to coach or the excess over whatever I make somewhere else. You've given me an idea. You've given me the solution. This is what they need to do. They need to come together, and they need to agree that Bill Belichick gets to go wherever he wants. New team won't have to give up a first-round pick or whatever to get him from the Patriots. But the contract gets torn up and Belichick gets nothing. And whatever he makes next year is from his new team, not from the pocket of Robert Kraft. What do you think of that as a solution? It's not a bad idea. But, Mike, I believe my idea about the Belichick thing is that Kraft, and this is how I look at it, if I were, if I were Robert Kraft right now, I'd be thinking, you know, I, I should do the right thing with Bill Belichick. Look at what he did for this franchise. I'm not going to require compensation for Bill Belichick. I am just going to let him go because it's clear we want to move in a different direction. Bill Belichick still wants to coach. I don't want to make it difficult for him to coach. And there's something that feels a little seedy after what Bill Belichick has done for a quarter century for Robert Kraft. Something feels a little bit seedy to demand, first of all, this is what I think. If the Los Angeles Chargers have the 12th pick in the draft and Robert Kraft says, give us the 12th pick in the draft and you can have Belichick, I'd say, you're crazy. 
This guy's going to be 72 <laughs> years old next year. How in the world do we know? Is he going to coach one year, two? This is not like it's Sean Payton, and you know he's whatever, 59 years old when he gets traded, that he's coaching for the next. He might coach another 12 years. Look at how young coaches look. Bill Belichick looks right now like a whatever, you know, 60-year-old man or whatever that would be. I don't know what he looks like, but he looks a lot younger than 71. I'll tell you that. But I would not trade. There's no way I'd trade a one for Bill Belichick. Absolutely not. Now, would I maybe give a two? Maybe if I had to. If I know that, look, in my opinion, Mike, Bill Belichick short-term with the Chargers is a better idea than Jim Harbaugh. That's just my feeling. And you know one of the reasons I feel that way? You remember at the time when everybody was talking about <clears throat> Jim Irsay at one of these iterations, when Jim Irsay was looking for a coach in Indianapolis, and I think it was before he hired Frank Reich, and, and, and the question was, hey, Andrew Luck would love to have uh, Jim Harbaugh back. They were so good together at Stanford, all that. I heard that that absolutely was not true and that Andrew Luck wouldn't have loved having Jim Harbaugh back. So you have to ask yourself the question, okay? If, if you've got a multiple future Pro Bowl, maybe all pro quarterback in Justin, Har- Justin Herbert, tell me, how do you want to handle it? Do you want to handle it with a guy who's going to be very hands-on with the quarterback, who's a former first-round quarterback, you know, himself, and you really wonder if he's going to be a great mentor to Justin Herbert? Or do you want one of the greatest coaches of all time, even in his his dotage, uh, who will bring, theoretically, a guy who can coach the quarterback, you hope anyway, and... And, and I think for a short term, to put a huge Band-Aid on this organization, I'd rather have Belichick with someone on his staff who you hire to say, this is the next guy. This is a fascinating conversation because I'm going to disagree with some of what you said. First of all, the whole Jim Harbaugh is a complete jerk who can't get along with anybody narrative. I think that's overdone. I think the 49ers had a lot of responsibility for their inability to coexist with Jim Harbaugh because you know as well as I do, there isn't much of a difference between Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh. But the Ravens have found a way since 2008. I think there is a difference, and I think there's a big difference. Okay. You know what the big difference is? Let me make my point. You know what the big difference is? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, here's the big difference. Go ahead. John Harbaugh looks at Ozzie Newsom and looks at Eric DaCosta and says, hey, what do you guys think? Uh, let's, you know, I, I trust your personnel judgment. What do you want to do in the draft? What do you think? And it isn't that they dictate. It's a consensus. What do you think? I don't think of that when I think of uh, Jim Harbaugh. I think here's the way we're going to do things. Now, I'm not saying he'd be a dictator, but I'm saying that John Harbaugh is a lot more of a consensus builder. That's my impression. Okay, consensus builder versus dictator. I mean, come on, which is Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick wants to run the show too. So 
they're the same guy from that perspective. I'm talking about day in and day out personality. People get to the point where they just can't stand. Bill Belichick's won 332 games in the NFL. I I get it, Peter. But and how many has he won without Bowls, Tom Brady? Jim how many has he won has without? Not. I know, I know, I know. But. How many has he won without Scott Pioli and Nick Casario setting the table? How many has he won? What's he been without Tom Brady? One of the reasons he's about to get fired or mutual parting or whatever is because Bill Belichick, the GM, stinks. And I think we can agree on that. Yes. My point about right. Jim Harbaugh is he's a tough guy to get along with, but a lot of coaches are, including Bill Belichick. I mean, Belichick would go in there and browbeat Justin Herbert because that's, that's what he does. He's not going to change his ways at 72. He's not going to become a different head coach. He's going to be as hard on the quarterback as he is on everybody, and that's just going to be the way he is. And maybe Herbert will take it, but if he'll take it from Belichick, he'll take it from Harbaugh. And Harbaugh's going to be there longer. I mean, what's Belichick going to do? Bring Josh McDaniels with him? Do you think Dean Spanos is going to want to hand the keys to Josh McDaniels after two prior disasters in the AFC West? I mean, he may as well go for the trifecta. He ruined the Broncos, ruined the Raiders. Go ahead and ruin the Chargers, too. That's not a selling point. If, hey, I'm bringing Josh McDaniels Josh with me McDaniels and I'll coach for five years Brady? and then he'll take over. Well, okay, let's see if Justin Herbert's going to be Tom Brady. I don't know and you don't know, but maybe they'll get there. Maybe they won't. My point is Josh McDaniels is the head coach is a different entity than Josh McDaniels is the offensive coordinator. Great as an offensive coordinator, abject, abject failure as a head coach. My point is if you're advocating for this idea of bringing Bill Belichick for a short period of time, he hands the keys to somebody else. Who's he going to hand them to? Is it Billy O'Brien? I don't is know. Is it Josh McDaniels? I don't Who know. Who is maybe, it? Maybe but Gerard you, Mayo. I, I can't, Mike, I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is you look at Jim Harbaugh as a magic pill. I don't. That's how, that's, that's, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. Look at what he's done in Michigan. I mean, look, I, listen. It's not like Jim Harbaugh and I are buddies. He's done he a great job rusk. at Michigan. He is short. He, 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 Jim Harbaugh is an ass, but a lot of coaches are asses. Different coaches have different degrees of ability to conceal it when they have to work with the media or anybody else, and I think that's the biggest difference between John and Jim. John knows how to put a little lipstick on it. Jim doesn't care. They both are intense. They both are driven. You and I have both been yelled at by John Harbaugh. We know he's got that in him, but he knows how to turn on the charm when he has to. Jim doesn't. But he's got a track record of success. And I think it's reasonable minds may differ on whose fault it was in San Francisco. You could say it was Jim Harbaugh's. I could say it was Jed York's and or Trent Baalke's that Jim Harbaugh didn't make it there over the long haul. So regardless, regardless. They got, this is a fun conversation. I, I enjoy the debate. And, and maybe Dean Spanos should send us both a check for trying to solve his problems for him for free. He's got to listen to somebody. He's got to take advice from somebody. And that puts Tom Telesco into the crosshairs too, Peter. Because to get a Bill Belichick, you may have to say, see you later, Tom. Thanks for drafting Justin Herbert. See you later, Tom. Because the next coach wants his own guy. That's another wrinkle that complicates this process for Dean Spanos and makes it fraught as they move forward. I think the logical way for Dean Spanos to look at this opening is it's tabula rasa, which is it is a total blank slate. We have a quarterback and we have some contracts that are borderline onerous 
right now. But we have the ability right now for a coach and or a coach and GM to come in here and basically to start over. I am in no way suggesting that Bill Belichick bring in Josh McDaniels and in 2026 opening day, Josh McDaniels is the head coach of the Chargers. No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that you could do a lot worse than Bill Belichick as your head coach and Josh McDaniels as your offensive coordinator uh, of, of any team, not necessarily just uh, the Chargers. But the last thing I would say about all this is that I think you have to ask yourself, what kind of organization do we want? What kind of team do we want? We have a team right now that uh, has an infection, you know, and that has not played up to expectations. The one reason why I would approve Jim Harbaugh is that he would be a shock to the system. He'd be a shock to the system. And that is what this team needs right now. But Bill Belichick would be too. And, and it's possible that Ben Johnson or, or, or whoever else you look at will be a shock to the system. But what's needed right now with this team is transition to something new where the players clearly would believe in that system more than they believe in this current one. So what you're saying is Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick would be the junior mint into the open body cavity that would stave off the infection that's <laughs> to kill a Los That's Angeles exactly Chargers. what Boy. I would say. That's exactly. You know, it's and sad. You it's sad. God. <laughs> it's sad that I know that the name of the patient was Roy Hornick. He was an artist oh who specialized God. in triangles. So, um, so, so, Peter. Yes, I shall have plenty other... of years, plenty of years looking at the triangles and enjoying the triangle. <laughs> you know how he got the nineteen hundred dollars to to buy the triangles? He had a savings account back in grade school that he forgot about, so he had nineteen hundred dollars. So he was gonna he was gonna spin it forward, and he bought the triangles because he thought Roy Hornick was gonna die, and that the the triangles would go up in value after Roy Hornick perished. Um, so. You mentioned Ben Johnson. Look, I think this is a job where you want somebody with prior head coaching experience. I don't think you want to find out whether or not a guy who's never been a head coach can grow into that job in this current mess. I think you need somebody who can walk through the door and who has the resume and the credibility to clunk heads together like Mo Howard and get the attention of these players and do that, that reset that you and I both agree the team has. I think it has to be somebody who's coached before. Look, if I were, if I were Dean Spanos, Ed McGuire, the brain trust of this franchise right now, I would, whatever, I, I don't know how exactly you would do this in an unobtrusive way, but sometime soon I would fly to Florida I would stop in the Jupiter area and have a very long lunch with Bill Parcells. Then I'd get in the car and I'd drive south to mile marker 91 in the Florida Keys and I'd stop in Isla Mirada and have dinner with Jimmy Johnson. And I think you need to ask people who have done it well 
in multiple places and who have been successful and clunked heads in the process because there are some people who don't like Jimmy Johnson. There are some people who don't like Bill Parcells. And you have to realize this this is about unifying your team, but it's also about making a lot of unpopular decisions, which you're going to have to make. And both of those guys still, because I talked to both of them, both of those guys are still totally uh, into what it takes to build teams and understand and have contacts inside multiple teams in the NFL. And to me, I would want to go out and pick brains of really, really smart people to get an idea of what could work best with your team. And Mike, you know what? Maybe at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh is exactly the shock to the system that the Chargers will need because he won't be afraid of doing things. As we speak, as you speak, it isn't necessarily the case that you want to hire a guy for the next 10 years. There are just some things about Harbaugh that really bother me. It bothers me that he's interviewing for a job a year and a half ago on National Signing Day at Michigan. And, and he's in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, or, or whatever it is, Minnesota now, uh, talk, Egan, Minnesota, talking to the Vikings about a job, which he didn't get offered, by the way. And things like that, that bugs me. I mean, doesn't that bug you? On National Signing Day, he's interviewing for a job. It just, that is just distasteful. It is. It's just, it's wrong. It's wrong. So, but he might be the shock to the system that this team needs. And it would be poetic to a certain extent if he ends up being the coach because 2024 is the 20-year anniversary of when he became a head coach for the first time at the University of San Diego. Not that the Chargers are there anymore, but still, that's where they used to be. And right before that, he worked for the Raiders. So that's a way to tie it all together. Raiders, Chargers, Harbaugh went Raiders to San Diego, even though it wasn't the Chargers, and we'll see how that plays out. Let's finish this segment on a happier note, though. Here's Antonio Pierce, whose team went, as we said at the top of the show, from scoring zero points on Sunday to setting a franchise record with 63 on Thursday night. Here's Pierce reacting to that turnaround. Well, we knew it at halftime what the record was. Um, I was made aware of it, and uh, we were going to be aggressive regardless what the score was. If we only had 21 or 10, we were going to be aggressive. That was our mindset. I talked to our team about it last week, playing better in the second half. I thought we did. This one was playing, you know, full second half and not letting off on the gas pedal. And, and you know, hats off to them because that was their mindset. Hats off to our players because that's, that's what leaders and real men do. They bring others along with them, and they brought me along. And, hell, we, we kicked some ass today. Antonio Pierce has exactly the intensity that Brandon Staley doesn't. At the end of the third quarter of Sunday's game against the Vikings, Pierce gathered the players around him like he was still the linebacker firing up the defense. And he was passionate. It didn't work, but he's still got that passion. And he's got that desire. And I don't know what Mark Davis is going to do, but, you know, this is kind of the 
Jeff Saturday experiment from last year, but it's going better than the Jeff Saturday experiment went. Well, the difference, though, is at least Antonio Pierce had some coaching experience, both in college and pro football. That's that's the big difference, and that's why I don't think any anyone begrudges Antonio Pierce this opportunity. And and the reason why they did it this way, I think the 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 logic is solid because think about it: Patrick Graham is running the defense. So if you take Patrick Graham and make the defensive coordinator and make him the head coach, now you have to say, okay. How are we going to operate this defense? So instead of, and I'm sure I I would bet Patrick Graham wanted the interim coaching job because he knows that the owner of this team is totally malleable. And if they get hot down the stretch, he could end up being a head coach in the NFL. But I think, I honestly think, although Mark Davis, I think is, is, is not a good owner, because he 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 just he's he's very flighty going from one coach to another. I mean, he's almost the David Tepper of the AFC. Almost, not quite. Nobody's like David Tepper. But I think that what the Raiders did was smart because they took someone who's the who has the ability to connect with players, who understands how players think because he was a player not long ago and he was a player who had a little bit of stuff to him, Mike, who a lot of players on the other team didn't like. And that's fine. What more Raider guy could there be? I think the only thing that the Raiders have to be cognizant of as they go through this process, just remember, when Rich Basaccia was the interim coach, Rich Basaccia was so good that he led them to the playoffs. And they came within two minutes of upsetting the Bengals and Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And so I think the one thing you have to be careful of is in that particular case, as it turns out now, I bet Mark Davis wishes that he hired Rich Basaccia. Okay, so now you have to think of the next three, four, five years. And can Antonio Pierce grow into this job and do a good job? Would he work well with either Champ Kelly or whoever is designated the new general manager? Those are the questions you have to ask. Don't hire somebody off a sugar high of scoring 63 points in a game. I mean, don't make a knee-jerk decision. This is something that I think Mark Davis, it's going to be hard for him. And look, the one thing I do appreciate about Mark Davis is that he fully admits he's not his dad. And that in many ways, if you read between his lines, he's growing on this job. Even though he's had it for, what, 11 years now? He's still growing into this job. And in my opinion, this is a vital, vital, vital decision that he has to make. And to me, I I don't know exactly how he's going to do it, but he needs to take his time, be thoughtful. Don't go running off after this beautiful new shiny object. I think he needs to take his time and be smart 
and interview all comers for this job. But the other side of it, too, is he clearly made a mistake in not sticking with Rich Passaccia and Mike Mayock and giving them a chance, give them a full year. You know, we make that argument for quarterbacks. Give the quarterback a full year, and then let's see where we are. Maybe there's a way he could negotiate the contracts with Kelly and Pierce that he's got a trial period of a year or two, that the buyout wouldn't be prohibitive if he decides halfway through 2025, okay, we gave it a try, it didn't work. But the only way you're going to know whether or not Pierce can get toward that ceiling of being a great coach is to let him work in that direction. And I think letting Bisaccia go and making the big swing for Josh McDaniels is exactly the kind of background and mindset that could get Mark Davis to say, I really don't want to do this twice. I really don't want to let a guy go who I should have hired and at least given a short-term chance twice. All right, we need to take a break. When we return, big game on Sunday, Super Bowl rematch of a couple of Super Bowls, 27 and 28. Cowboys and the Bills get together with a lot on the line. We'll get ready for that game next year on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.